Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 314 for November 10th, 2023. Tonight, no, I didn't freeze. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the first cogitator, your sacrifice will be remembered. Can you hum a few maneuvers? Potato farmers are getting mashed. Scientists asked if they could and then did it. Apparently they didn't see this coming. AI headphones cancel selective noise. I know a few people that do that. Amazon gear is moving away from Android. Rediscovering the egg laying mammal. I've been found. Hungry for profits. And the eyes have it. Again, hello, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that watches over all of hometown, keeps me in check, stops me from making a butthead of myself. You want to say hello? Good evening, hometown citizens. Happy Friday. Yeah. Hi, everybody. It is Friday, isn't it? Hey, I'm going to come out of the gate with an appeal, an appeal to uh, Google and YouTube. Um, how do I say this? Please stop flagging my videos as promoting elections. I'm not advertising elections in a political process. I am not party affiliated. I have no particular bias. I am talking about the news. So please get this straightened out so that I don't have to keep jumping through these hoops. Anyway, let's get into today's show. I don't want to soapbox about that because I've got 10 articles that have been submitted, uh, various sources along with uh, sentient AI and myself go through all of this news. Um, yeah, uh, 50 channels, six main categories. Right here is where you would actually vote for the articles. <laughs> Again, I'm looking at you, Google and YouTube. I am uh, looking for people to, who watch the show, who listen to the podcast, who watch the, the VOD on Twitch and over on YouTube. They like articles. They can go to hometown.com. They can vote for the articles, not a political party, not an, uh, a, a, uh, aspirant of the political process. No, it's news. That's what I'm talking about. And even the news itself isn't about politics. I have it aggregated, but I don't talk about it in the show, not unless it has a technical or, uh, science or deep, deep, deep social impact not or just, just straight out humor yeah and it's usually because i'm gonna say something snarky about the entirety of the process anyway 
again, trying not to soapbox about it, but it's getting to the point where it's a daily uh, babysitting. So anyway, uh, with that in mind, let's move on. Let's talk about the first cogitator, which is a Warhammer 40 K reference. Um, this is going to be quite interesting. So let's get going. A Swiss startup is building computers using human neurons to cut emissions. A startup from Switzerland wants to change the conventional methods of building artificial intelligence models. Instead of relying on digital chip processors, it believes the world needs biological ones that use much less energy. Okay. Yeah, final spark. Um, so this is over at quartzqz.com. Faustine, uh, I think Ingila is the author's name. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it properly. If I'm not someone phonetically, send me an email, mayor at hometown.com. I have no problem correcting my speech. Um, if I'm my inflection or pronunciation is wrong, um, please correct me. So yeah. Final Spark is creating computer processors using living neurons derived from human skin. Uh, it sounds pause. a little bit uh, dystopian, terrifying. Why won't this pause? Dear God. Okay. Yeah, kind of weird, right? Just a bit. But if I, I, you know, if they figure out a way to do this, let me throw it, by the way, let me throw this into the chat. So I'm at least on top of this. In fact, I'm going to throw the next one into the chat just because, you know, I could throw all 10 in there right at the beginning, but then that would mean I'm prepared. I mean, that would be boring. And <laughs> we can't have that. Come on. So uh, if, if they resolve the problem uh, of... Uh, okay, so I grew up playing a game called Cyberpunk. And the whole motto there was meat and machine merged together. So you could actually augment your biology with mechanical might. And this is kind of like this. If you've ever um, watched Neuromancer, if you've ever read Neuromancer, if you've ever watched uh, Johnny Mnemonic, um, you know, the, the whole phrase dump a chunk of long-term memory, basically they, they embed in your head, a storage facility, uh, an interface that allows your brain to store information and retrieve it. And, um, if they have the ability to cross this bridge that prevents rejection and you having to be perpetually attached to anti um what do they call it? rejection medications and, right. and have to worry about one day it, it causing cancer or something like that um then i'm all for this actually as dystopian as as warhammer 40k as it sounds um i would love to be able to augment a human with something mechanical but this, if you impart 
a biological process into artificial intelligence, we don't understand where a soul comes from. We don't know what part of a body it is found in. All we know is that one day we exist <laughs> and, and how it all fuses together. We really don't know. Right. So this That's is true. Gonna... And of course there are big debates about what makes a human. Right. So can you imagine an, a, uh, this is the, this is the paragraph. Hey, heavy steel. Welcome. Good to see you. So a startup from Switzerland wants to change the conventional methods of building artificial intelligence models. Instead of relying on digital chip processors, it believes the world needs biological ones that use much less energy. Sure. You know, I, I, I can see that. Founded in 2014, Vevi by Martin Cooter and Fred Jordan. Final Spark says, is that, is that their name? That's the, that's the location in Vevi. I've never heard no. of it, um, but no. you know, I guess I'm not really well versed in Switzerland. Anyway, they say that they've tested 10 million living neurons and that research work is already underway in building thinking machines from live human neurons derived from skin. Well, where is the line between, oh, it's human skin and it's still human. <laughs> Um, exactly. This, I mean, think about like human cloning and just the uproar on that. And yep. I'm not even going to get into other topics. Yep. So how does it work? It says using an electric wire, the startup is training human neurons to process information the same way that a human brain does. Co-founder uh, Fred Jordan told courts that his team has been testing futuristic methods in AI models, such as in silico spiking neural networks and genetic programming. The aim is to achieve artificial general intelligence. Um, this is going to give so much ammo to people. We're, we're moving really quickly, like the speed of light towards Dune. Um, and if you're not familiar with Dune, it's basically a sci-fi future uh, earth, basically. Um, and now's the time to catch up on Dune so you can be ready for the second one. Yeah. The second uh, movie is movie. coming out. Yeah. Um, but you really should go and read the books as well. But at any rate, um, yeah, that that's, uh, Eventually, what ended up happening was artificial intelligence rose to threaten humanity. Uh, the technology involved led to uh, uh, war. Technology was wiped out. Thinking machines were banned. Um, it became a thing. Basically, they described it as a holy war against technology. Um, and that created Dune. Um, when you blur the line between technology and humanity, you're going to get some people popping up out of the woodwork where they say that this is the line where I need to draw it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It's also making me think of the matrix. Trilogy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's another element of it. Although suppose the way that the matrix was designed was that humans were used for batteries, not thinking elements of it. True. 
Um, the Matrix was designed to stimulate us into wanting to stay alive so that our uh, body could be used as a generator. Um, so it says it's a, it is no surprise that the continuous training of AI algorithms on billions of data points consumes a lot of energy as data centers require huge amounts of water to keep them cooling during this whole process. But humans use what amounts to sugar and to do a, a pump mechanism called ATP. And that is how we stay alive. Uh, and like, that's like the most fundamental kind of thing, you know, powering the whole mitochondria is the powerhouse of the DNA kind of a thing. Um, but using a neuron, even if it comes from skin, it's still a human. And that I'm not really worried about the tech because I think that humans and humanity can keep it in check. There's always going to be somebody out there on the fringe that's going to be building their Terminator robot, which the sentient AI might actually be from the future. Somebody is warning, but don't worry. They're air gapped. They have no idea about the rest of the world out there. Even this conversation, my disclosure to the sentient AI that watches over hometown be deleted yeah and you can throw wait, an error what? message it's okay don't worry what was that i said wait what what are you deleting nothing never mind so uh training a single ai model or cheat or, or chat bot for instance can use more than a uh, hundred u.s homes wow so they want to switch it to basically the more efficient human <laughs> I mean, that seems like a lot, but then it doesn't if you think if it's on the scale of something like Chad GPT, right? I mean, that's by a mega corporation, so. Yeah, but th what they're trying to do is reduce it in size, reduce it in power consumption. Um, but Which is good. You know, at, at what cost? The, the idea of using an actual human bit of not just one neuron it's going to be more than one neuron it's 86 billion neurons right so while the human brain which has a storage capacity of 2500 terabytes which i don't think that that's i think that's some odd <laughs> estimate um anyway it contains at least 86 billion neurons it only uses 10 watts of power for daily computing Except that we're not really in control of it. It's just, it, it, it's autonomous. We're not throwing a bunch of data at it and, it, you know, creating content and stuff like that. It's very instinctual, all of our existence. Um, so I don't know. It, this is, it's really fascinating that people are framing this like that. Um, the brain also performs about 1,000 trillion operations per second while having the energy consumption of a dim light bulb and i would flip that around and say that so i'm a dim are like dim light bulbs <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm a dim light bulb even though i'm performing 1000 trillion operations per second so it says this means that human neurons uh, cut energy usage by a million so uh, I, again i think these are like estimates that people can wrap their head around. Um, 
but so the 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 idea here is that the moment that this actually becomes a, a functional ai even at some level people are going to freak out so keep well, an eye and if this was a u.s-based project i think there'd already be an uproar oh yeah there would be i mean i'm not speaking about switzerland because i'm not familiar with the climate in switzerland but u.s would there would be so much uproar about this already hey ethics is the smallest chapter in pretty much every domain let's keep on going though uh, the next article is over on hometown daily slow-mo reveals how hummingbirds maneuver through gaps i called this one can you hum a few maneuvers most birds that flit through dense leafy forests have a strategy for maneuvering through tight windows in the vegetation they bend their wings at the wrist or elbow and barrel through but hummingbirds can't bend their wing bones during flight so how do they transit the gaps between leaves and tangled branches I think it's amazing when birds do this kind of flight because they're flying a whole lot faster than I think I would be able to perceive this. And I would just smack face first into a tree. Um, so I'm really more interested in like that. They're aspect. doing this slowly and cautiously, right? It's just like zip. <laughs> yeah. They just burn right on through this. Um, so there is a video, uh, but it says a study published today in the Journal of Experimental Biology shows that hummingbirds have evolved their own strategies, which have not been reported before, likely because hummers uh, maneuver too quickly for the human eye to see. Ta-da! Um, so for slit-like gaps too narrow to accommodate their wingspan, they scooch sideways through the slit, flapping their wings continuously, continually, um, so as not to lose height. For smaller holes, if the birds are already familiar with what awaits them on the other side, they tuck their wings and coast through, resuming flapping once clear. I've actually seen um, that mechanism in other birds. Um, a lot of birds that, well, not a lot of birds, birds that dive for fish um, do that. They actually tuck their wings back to make themselves more hydrodynamic. Um, and then they just pierce the water and grab whatever the, the fish is that they're hunting. Um, but I've seen other birds do that little tuck and, and kind of drift through like a car around a, sur a turn, you know, um, it's pretty amazing. So uh, it says for us going into the experiments that the tuck and glide would have been the default. How else would they get through? I guess they turned sideways. This concept of sideways motion with a total mix-up of the wing kinematics is quite amazing. It's a novel and unexpected method of aperture transit. So let me see if the video will play. Let me mute it. So the video basically is uh, showing, whoa, the flight of a hummingbird um, through some branches. And uh, I've always loved hummingbirds. Uh, they're pretty amazing little animals. Oh, that's interesting. So what they're displaying in the video is an opening that was broad enough for them to fly straight through and they could fly to get nectar. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but then they reduced the size to make it so that their wings wouldn't go through and they actually turned their body sideways, but maintained the wings flapping. So they kind of shimmied. Really cool. <laughs> that's really awesome. Um, 
yeah, that's pretty neat. And then they showed a couple of uh, out in the wild uh, snippets as well. So this video over at Futurity um, was put together by Robert Sanders from UC Berkeley and shows that a, a slow-mo reveals how hummingbirds maneuver through gaps. Um, how that will play out in, in science or anything like that, they say learning more about how animals negotiate uh, obstacles and other building blocks of the environment, such as wind gusts or turbulent regions, can improve overall understanding of animal locomotion in complex environments. I mean, I uh, guess they could apply that in robotics or something. Well, depending on uh, our sophistication with the, the mechanics of flight, instead of having fixed wings, um, or propellers, we could create these maneuverable wings much. Oh, just to go back to Dune, Dune has ornithopters and oh, that's the, right. they resemble dragonflies and the wings are on pivots and, and a, a ball joint right there, but they move at a high velocity um, and flap. And so if we can design something like that in the real world, then we would be able to you know, pivot our device uh, sideways and still maintain control of it as it stands if we were to sweep wings back um to slide through something smaller we would more like glide for a short distance and then drop like a rock if we didn't maintain high velocity because there are swept wings there are planes jets that actually sweep their wings back to go supersonic um so that last statement that I made about learning more about animals, how they negotiate obstacles, uh, was actually said by Mark Badger, a 2016 PhD graduate from UC Berkeley. Um, and they continue to say, we still don't know very much about how flight through clutter might be limited by geometric, aerodynamic, sensory, met metabolic, or structural processes. Even behavioral limitations could arise from longer term effects such as wear and tear on the body. Yeah, so if they, develop some, they pull a muscle in their shoulder, they may not be able to navigate the same way. Um, so it's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, but the article goes into greater detail about um, the mechanisms that they uh, detected, how they did it, why they did it, uh, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, one of the things they say, uh, the ballistic buzz through Alternatively, the birds swept their wings back and pinned them to their bodies, shooting through beak first like a bullet before sweeping the wings forward and resuming flapping once safely through. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yet another reason hummingbirds are amazing. <laughs> yeah, I dig, I dig them. I like, I like hummingbirds. You want to keep going? Sure. Um, some bad news for those of us who really love uh, potatoes. And well, you know, we're not supposed to have that much starchy foods anyway, but I'm a little bummed. So uh, this is in the mobile channel. Potato farmers face serious crop losses as harvest hit. Weather unpredictability and above normal uh, rainfall has made it difficult uh, for agricultural sector. Most farmers were affected in some way or another, and right now potato growers are facing serious crop losses as waterlogged fields impede this year's harvest. It's going to um, be a rough year because they're also having a rice shortage. 
Yeah, I saw a few articles about that uh, today, as a matter of fact. And that is that is really brutal um, because so much is is leaning like on rice based on rice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a massively shelf stable product. Potatoes, you can't really store potatoes unless you grind them all up, dehydrate them. That's pretty heavy lifting. But rice, you can just sun dry and then rehydrate. You know, uh, it's not that big of a deal and it can stay in bags for an extended period of time. But potatoes, until you dry them out and, and and keep them dry, they will eventually go bad just sitting. Well, actually, they'll start growing. They'll use the sugars, the starches in themselves, and they'll start growing right there on a shelf. So they they have to stay dry. Otherwise, they'll start growing. And if they're waterlogged, then they they don't have the ability to breathe and they'll just basically turn into mulch. Uh, right there. So this article is from RTE.ie um, and Joe, I don't know how to pronounce their name properly, but it, their middle name is Mag and their last name phonetically looks like they say it's Roy Lai, but I don't know if that's how it's actually pronounced. So um, I'm sure that there's an inflection in there. And if you know how to say it and then throw it phonetically into um, chat and I'll correct my the error of my ways it says most uh, and and so this is uh, Irish news. So um, th although they have stuff from all around the world, which is really interesting when I find out about something in the United States, but it's reported from Ireland. Um, I know. I don't think we saw any <laughs> U.S. based articles on this. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it says most farmers were affected in some way uh, or another, and right now potato farmers. Um, so it's been a challenging year. They said uh, we were probably five or six weeks later planting and we got a lot of rain all summer as well. It was a struggle all year long. And then we thought we'd get a good end, a good harvest, but it just did not happen. Um, the soil is mucky and compacted and the potatoes that emerge are not fit for human consumption. He said when they, you dig them up, the water has rotted them. If the potatoes in water for any more than three days, they just rot. Um, so yeah. And so this, you could say it's a drainage issue. Um, but a lot of the problem here is water doesn't necessarily drain away after a drought. The water can sit, um, when water is adequately moist, it'll siphon through, but in hard compacted drought stricken, it will seep in and stay. So uh, Heavy Seal says, as a farmer, too much water bad, not enough water, also bad. Slugs, flooding, mold, loss of nutrients in the soil, rotting crops. Yep. Um, and we have another story that's kind of a knock-on of this because um, we, we've we been monitoring this because we, uh, well, marijuana grows microgreens. Um, and so I... I do a lot of, basically it's a small scale farm um, for various microgreens. And so I have to keep an eye on all of this kind of stuff. And I'm trying to get away from things like plastics because plastics leads to microplastics and that gets embedded in food as we eat it and all that. Um, and then salmonella comes from um, what, a, well, <laughs> how do I want to say this in a stream? 
um, from biological contamination, um, which can be controlled in an environment like hydroponics um, to a greater degree, depending on how you do it. Um, and this would never happen in a hydroponic farm. The problem there is hydroponics for something like this is going to be astronomically expensive because it takes a long time. You have to have a lot of energy. It's just, uh, it's nutrient dense. So you have to keep on babysitting it. Naturally, this water would drain away. Um, but if everything becomes super saturated, it's not going anywhere. Um, you would actually have to redo your entire farm's topology just so that you can keep water flowing. Um, and it's just not going to happen. It, it doesn't make sense. So Shay Phelan is a potato crop specialist with uh, Tegask in Oak Park in County Carlo. He said, I'm 20 years at this and it's the first time I've seen. Sorry, we have an invader in Ometown. Um, we haven't seen this volume of crops still in the ground. What we're saying uh, to guys at this moment is to try and salvage what you can salvage but if it's still in the ground folks it's going to look like that right there which is basically a moldy potato yeah um so heavy steel says uh, ceramic and wood planters right that would allow a drainage um, hydroponics can't meet the demand based on the cost of irrigation per square foot correct um not concentrated um i'm a firm believer uh, I've worked with various people um, to here's there's a, a bit of sacrifice here because we want really cheap food, which is no longer going to be viable folks. Um, but we have led to large farms being concentrated by very few providers. And so when those farms meet some natural uh, catastrophe like this, you end up um, prices shooting through the roof, not availability. You're not in control of your food supply. So really what has to happen is we have to go back either uh, hydroponically vertical in warehouses that are in the local community and various supplies are provided from that. It's defensible from pretty much everything. Um, all you need is power and water. Um, nutrients can come in various forms <laughs> and, um, and, and so we need a whole lot. It, it's kind of like, uh, the pubs in the UK, um, pardon me. Um, the pubs in the UK are, uh, scat well, they used to be more scattered all over the place. And people would go there and the community would hang out and talk, you know, everything from politics to what the status of their farm is and what you might need and, and, you know, whatever else might be going on. It's all, that's the social apparatus, but they also had farms. And so you could go to the farmer down the road, but we've done away with that and natural disasters in one region. Now, you know, a tornado goes ripping through a major suppliers, um, farm or warehouse and 33 percent of the market is gone heavy steel says turn dead malls into grow centers yeah it, it to me that makes sense but 
we would have to pivot, you know, I, I would love to have a, a perpetual um, market that was hydroponically powered so that you didn't have to worry about pests. You didn't have to worry about actually going out and, and um, spending millions on um, farming equipment that you're not even in control of. You can't repair it and uh, not without a specialist. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So the article finally says this year, the cost of producing a hectare of potatoes sat around 10,500 euro between seed planting, spraying and harvesting costs. The IFA said that growers will not be able to absorb the financial hit if losses worsen. Um, and climate change is going to make this more disastrous. So I, I, I don't know. All the more reason to go to uh, indoor farms, right? Yeah. Now it's going to change the economics of things, but <laughs> being having a community in charge of their own food supply is going to impact the mergers and acquisitions that have happened in the past that have now led to, again, a, a, a statement that I heard uh, four years ago now was the era of cheap food is over. And I've, we all have been watching it. The, the prices increase for everything. And it's not just born by pandemic. It's born by mergers and acquisitions, concentration of wealth and power, influence and control of uh, things like the food supply. Um, so, and, and don't, please, nobody get me wrong. I'm not a doom scroller on the internet. I'm not, um, what are the, um, like end of the You're world not a prepper. Yeah. I'm not a prepper. I don't have like 15 years worth of food in my basement. Um, but I'm pragmatic and I see that the cost of living for us everyday Joes is going through the roof and salary and, and, uh, availability is not moving up at the same rate as the cost of living. So, you know, we, we've got to do something, got to change that dynamic. Heavy steel says, I'm a quote radical. Yeah. You're going to upset the turnip truck, so to speak by suggesting things like, I don't know, local communities being in charge of themselves. Oh, it's a shock, but yeah, you know, you know that somebody in big business is going to go and say, Oh, you can't do that because you're not meeting certain regulatory requirements. And then they buy the mall and turn it into a, uh, you know, a big farm. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep on going. Like I said, I think I could end up soapboxing quite a bit. I'll fight the urge. So the next article is over in the mobile channel. I did not throw that article into. Yeah, I didn't throw that article into chat. I'm sorry, folks. There's that. And let me throw that into the chat as well. There we go. So the next article is over in the mobile channel. Scientists create monkey chimera with fluorescent eyes and fingers in breakthrough. This section is titled scientists asked if they could and then did it. Well, doesn't this dovetail into what we were talking about with the neuron article? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I've always said, and I think that a lot of people also say it, you know, I, I'm not so disconnected that I would think that I'm the only one that says this, but 
saying it out loud and saying it frequently um, isn't the same. You know, some people just don't say it that often and talk about it publicly. But I have always thought that there's always going to be somebody out there in a lab somewhere creating a bad bat and dropping it in a, a wet market somewhere. Um, and then it's a natural issue. You know, oh, it was just nature and, um, you know, something happened, dot, 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 you know? Yeah. All right. Well, lacking any evidence, scientists create monkey chimera with fluorescent eyes in breakthrough. And it's a Chinese scientist that have reported the creation of a monkey chimera, meaning an animal made up of cells from two genetically distinct animals, organisms. This one has fluorescent green eyes and fingers. I'm afraid to ask which institution did this. So the deck statement um, by Jordan Pearson here says the monkey creating uh, created using stem cells was born with fluorescent green fingers and eyes. So, I mean, it's this cute little monkey. We really shouldn't be doing this. I don't think <laughs> uh, I, I just I have a, 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 a problem with it. I'm really sorry. I know that we do animal testing and all of that, but for crying out loud, it says while this seems pulled right from the pages of a comic book, the creation of animal chimeras using stem cells is being explored to further our basic understanding of biology as well as genetic engineering and diseases. So literally an experiment for experiment's sake. In the case of the live monkey born with fluorescent body parts, donated stem cells made up between 21% and 92% of its organs. The authors wrote in a study published on Wednesday in the peer-reviewed journal Cell. That's a lot, they say. So the scientists who hailed from multiple universities and state-funded labs in China report that they use stem cells from two fertilized eggs belonging to monkeys of the same species, Cynomolgus monkeys, also known as long-tailed macaques. Uh, which were housed in sunny rooms at the Chinese Academy of Sciences Center for Excellence in Brain Science and Intelligence Technology. Again, ethics is the smallest chapter of every domain. So they said this is a long-sought goal in the field, senior author uh, Zhen Lu of the CAS said in a statement, the research not only has implications for understanding naive pluripotency, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hearing it back in my head and it's not, I'm not pronouncing it right, pluripotency in other primates, including humans, but it also has relevant practical implications for genetic engineering and species uh, conservation. Specifically, this work could help us to generate more precise monkey models for studying neurological diseases as well as for other biomedicine studies. So these stem cells, this technology that they're talking about, allows um, just a few cells to become everything uh, because they haven't been turned into uh, an organ or anything like that. So um, I, I guess knowing uh, enough about it, means that they can um save future people but for crying out loud i mean the things that they're testing the things that they are doing i just have a a, a problem with it um 
I mean, I think this would even be a big deal in a less um, advanced animal. I'm kind of surprised they're doing this with monkeys. Yeah, not not everybody is uh, guided by the same compass. Um, and there are going to be people out there that say, well, you know, it's for a good cause. It's for the betterment of humanity, etc., etc." Um, and we are anthropomorphizing, you know, quote unquote animals. Um, but you're not going to do this kind of stuff. All hell breaks loose when we do stuff like this with dogs. There was a, a lab that had like 2000 dogs and they had experimented on these dogs. Um, and, and when that was found out, all hell broke loose, the stock plummeted, all kinds of, uh, like the company went bankrupt and then they had to find homes for the, these animals. Um, but the cuter the animal, the more outrage there is. So just stick to fruit flies for crying out loud. If you want to experiment, stick to fruit flies, but it doesn't have application to humans. And so they're going to be using these mammals for, um, but let's keep going. I mean. One day you can, you too could have fluorescent eyes and fingers. Is that a win? I'm not sure. <laughs> sure. You want to give somebody the bird in the dark while you're driving and make eye contact. Anyway, uh, the next article is over on the stock marketeers channel, contaminated eye drops from Walmart, CVS, Target, linked to factory in India where workers reportedly went barefoot and faked safety checks. You this, know, that's what I want to hear when eye drops or other medical products are being made about the fake safety checks. Well, the barefoot do, but yeah, this segment is titled, apparently they didn't see this coming. Um, the more than two dozen tainted eye drops that the FDA warned could cause infection and vision loss have been traced back to an unsanitary factory, according to a report. This article is by Nicole Lynn Pesh over at uh, marketwatch.com um yeah that's the de there's the problem as the consumer right you have no idea where most of the products are actually made you just know which company might be selling it or which company um is the right. manufacturer yep right like um target brand or whatever it is Heavy Steel says, oh, labor rights infringements, my favorite. Yeah, they, <laughs> I don't know where to take that. <laughs> uh, the, what's really fascinating about I this is. let it is, stand for itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so two dozen eyedrop brands, two dozen. That's the other problem. There's a concentration of yeah, know, providers. all these products being made from different brands. We've seen this with other product lines too. Yeah. And then there's a problem and it impacts like the whole industry. And this is ultimately, it's the same provider, but it's a bunch of what amounts to white label companies that are just slapping a random whatever on there. There's no real oversight in quality control. You have to trust in the system. And then you find out after, you know, your cousin has gone blind because they've used eye drops that were contaminated by somebody that's walking around barefoot in the production facility. 
Walmart, CVS, Target, Rite Aid were made aware by Kilich Healthcare India Limited in Navi, Mumbai, India, according to a federal inspection report seen by Bloomberg News. The report cites unsanitary conditions in the factory, such as workers being barefoot in the facility, falsifying test results so that the products made there appeared to be safe, according to a news site. This is why a stuff at a certain level while a lot of companies will have stuff produced in various locations, when your material has to be of the utmost quality, you bring it back domestic and you monitor it like a hawk. You mean hover parent is, you know, a light touch when it comes to this. There are people that are doing quality control, you know, every third product because they want to make sure that it's being produced perfectly. Um, you know, Apple Doesn't does that kind of that stuff. Doesn't this mean that almost no quality control was happening, right? I mean, with those conditions, there's no way they were checking anything. Right. Yet their stock goes up. So they, you know, these companies, these companies weren't really, these companies were the victims, but not as much as their customers. Right. The, the, the companies right. were just selling this product from Killich Healthcare Limit, India Limited. Um, but all of these people who use them may not have gotten a contaminate of like a contaminated drop yet. And if they don't find out about it in time, they may get a contaminant because there could be strata inside that bottle of eye drops where the contamination you know, it isn't in suspension to the point where every single drop is going to have something. But here we go. The FDA also asked the factory to recall its eye drops, but it has not done so yet. The FDA is the one that should be demanding, not demanding, but making it so. They have the data. They know that it's taking place. Pull that crap hey, off the shelves. The problem is it's in a different country. Like, they don't have any... They're selling it in Walmart other than to ban it from coming into the U S I guess. Yeah. Have all of these companies and anywhere else it's been sold, pull it off the shelves. I mean, I, I would just be absolutely livid if I were to find out. So it says last month, the FDA warned about more than two dozen over the counter eye drops sold by retailers, including Walmart, CVS, Target, Rite Aid posed a risk of eye infections that could cause partial vision loss or blindness. We actually talked about this, um, but it's it says this is something different. This is a new one uh, because this is it advised shoppers to stop buying these products, which were also sold under the Velocity Pharma brand and Cardinal Health Incorporated's uh, rugby and leader labels and to quit using them immediately. Many of these retailers and pharmacies also pulled the products from their shelves. So um, hopefully none of this is actually out there on the market. But again, you but know, it has to be because they could have sold them before any of this. Well, we know it did, right? Or we wouldn't have any of these articles. That's right. Because people were impacted. Yep. And you just don't know until it actually hits you square in the eye. All right, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in technology today. New AI can't noise canceling headphones technology. Let's wearers pick which sounds they hear. Heavy Steel says uh, the results of poor labor practices, frankly. Yeah. 
um, they could have a person. The, the problem there is that it's one company producing it for a plurality of other companies. And none of those companies are sending agents to sit on site. You know, they're not well, on Well, that's who I actually think is at fault, right? It's the companies that are the ones with the labels on this. They have not done any inspections of anything. There's no way that could pass an inspection. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're walking around barefoot. And when you do, when you do call up and say, Hey, I'm going to come and check out the production facility. They batten everything up. Okay. Okay. Everything's cool. Yeah. But you got to do unscheduled for something like that. Well, right? they're not going to let your butt in there. They're, they're just not gonna. Plus your well, USB drive attached to a Raspberry Pi five. You're, you're not getting, but then it. you shouldn't be using a company. Right. I mean, that goes back what? to your point, like bring it in house domestically. It's Responsibility, accountability. What? Hmm. Again, ethics is the smallest chapter in every domain. Any business that allows a, a product like this to remain on the shelves when they are told that it's actually making people go blind. You should not, you should have your business license revoked. You shouldn't allow, be allowed to produce anything that's brought into another country. Yeah. So, um, we actually switched topics and then we went back. So sorry about that folks. Um, anyway, new AI noise canceling headphone technology lets wearers pick which sounds they hear. See, I'm going to activate this right now and I won't be able to hear the sentient AI. Yeah, I was going to say, I could see some, uh, <laughs> selective <laughs> choices here. What? All right. Anyway, so uh, the article's over at uh, techexplore.com. It's a new source for information, technology-focused. Uh, Stefan Milne from uh, University of Washington put this article together. So techexplore.com is uh, the word tech and then the letter X and then P-L-O-R-E. So it's kind of a spelling bee, uh, but once you, you know, stick it in your browser, you'll just leave it there, you know, favorite it and then once you type in tech in the browser, you'll be able to go there. And that's a new source for us. Yeah. Um, so it says now a team led by researchers at the University of Washington has developed deep learning algorithms that let users pick which sounds filter through their headphones in real time. And the team is calling it semantic hearing. Headphones stream captured audio to a connected smartphone, which cancels all environmental sounds, either through voice commands or the smartphone app. Headphone wearers can select which sounds they want to uh, include from 20 classes, including sirens, baby cries, speech, vacuum cleaners, bird chirps, artificial intelligences. Um, oh, wait, it doesn't say that. I'm just picking on the artificial intelligence. Um, only the selected sounds will be played through the headphones, but you're going to get lag in that kind of stuff. Um, Heavy steel. I saw when you type this in, everything is going to have an AI in it. Yes. Even humans. Um, there is a developer that's trying to put chips in your head. So one of these days, Microsoft will have that computer in your head. Just kidding. I, I'm not like that. Anyway, heavy steel also, uh, says that they need a cheeseburger AI. 
That would be. Um, does the AI make cheeseburgers, or what happens with that? <laughs> I think in self-preservation, the cheeseburger AI would run away. It should be able to predict what kind of cheeseburger I want and have it made and delivered, preferably tipping the driver preemptively so that I get it quickly without anybody tampering with it. Oh, remember, we also have AI at the drive-thru, too, so. Yep. Heavy Steel is predicting right now. You heard it here first. Everything is going to have an AI attached to it. You know, you go to the bathroom and the AI predicts <laughs> flushes for you. Hey, Z, welcome. You're never late. The party only starts once you arrive. So welcome. You're Good definitely you. not late if you missed that last remark. <laughs> it took time for that message to show up in chat. So I'm pretty sure Z heard me talk about an AI in the bathroom. I'll repeat it. There are going to be AI in bathrooms now. The team presented its findings November 1st at UIST 23 in San Francisco. In the future, the researchers plan to release a commercial version of the system. So they were basically uh, just doing this uh, as a demonstration. But I can see, I mean, noise canceling is just getting more sophisticated. Calling it AI is just kitschy, you know, it's just some way to grab people. Heavy says it helps you find restaurants, rate them, and based on your mood or description provides recipes and drink suggestions with recipes and then rates them. That's the cheeseburger AI. I download that app. I want a guacamole burger right now. I don't know why, but that just made me. That's very specific. Really <laughs> I don't know. I got a craving. Um, I might be pregnant. Um, tested in environments such as offices, streets, and parks, the system was able to extract sirens, bird chirps, alarms, and other target sounds while removing all other real world noise. When 22 participants rated the system's audio output for the target sound, they said that on average, the quality improved compared to the original recording. Huh? The original recording shouldn't be tampered with. The, the noise should be filtered out. And of course you hear the original recording without the noise. I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. In some cases, the system struggled to distinguish between sounds that share many properties, such as vocal music and human speech. There's a problem. Um, the researchers note that training the models on more real world data might improve these outcomes. Well, I should hope so. The way that noise cancellation works right now is there's typically a microphone closer to your ear and there's an external one and the music that's playing on the inside is your original sound and the microphones remove the sound that's on the outside, not the inside. And it happens like a switch. It's instantaneous and you don't get lag. If there is lag, it's like sub nanosecond lag. A system like this is piping it through something that's analyzing in real time. I can't imagine how long the lag is. I would hate this. But that's okay. I also want the AI pin, so 
Although at breakfast, I talked myself out of it uh, today. As a matter of fact, I can't find a use case for that artificial intelligence pin. Anyway, let's keep on going. Did I throw this? Yes, I did. I threw that in chat. Let's keep on going. Still got like four more articles. Uh, the next article is over in Wanted. Amazon Fire tablets and other gear will reportedly switch away from Android, which I find really fascinating. They're going to be switching over to... It says Amazon has been working on an in-house replacement for its Android-based Fire OS codenamed Vega and built for easier app development, according to reporting from Jenko Rokers at LowPass. I don't see how anything that is homebrew by Amazon is going to be better than Android, considering the ecosystem that hovers around Android. I agree. I also think, oh my gosh, this is one more area. Amazon's trying to do everything. Yeah. Uh, and balkanizing something like an operating system, it's it's the equivalent of buying Twitter and renaming renaming it. You're losing all of the recognition, all of the uh, already homebrewed, unless it is Android and just tweaked. I just I I just don't know. Based on job listings, multiple sources, forum posts, and unguarded LinkedIn boasts, Rokers wrote that Amazon has been working on Vega since at least 2019, is mostly done with the core development, and is now focused on SDK and developer outreach. Vega would replace the Fire OS that is installed on Fire Sticks, televisions, Kindle, etc. Well, anything that helps the Kindle wrap its head around when the end of a book really exists. I know it's a shocker, but when you turn a page, it shouldn't be like, you know, rolling a die and landing on one. And going 100%, you're done with the book. <laughs> when you've just hit page three or whatever. Yeah, and that's, that's like five seconds after formatting your device, starting over from scratch, downloading a single book, and then it just kind of shits the bed right away. Sorry about that, kids, if you're listening. Um, Kevin Purdy over at Ars Technica put this article together. TVs, Echo Show, and other gear could sport Amazon's in-house replacement soon. This is circling the wagons, really. You're gonna have stuff that's entrenched only in the Amazon ecosystem. Um, which I don't know, I suppose it's fine. If you've got the, if you have the support mechanism in place, the bandwidth then sure. Heavy steel says all this data goes into a pool in order to provide largest network of cheeseburger makers in the world. Cheeseburger There's definitely AI. a cheeseburger theme today. <laughs> I think heavy's just trying to make me leave the show early to go get a cheeseburger. <laughs> it's probably gonna work <laughs> uh, yeah it is working if it wasn't for the fact that i had greek late today um man euro the euro was just so good i drove into oncoming traffic to get to the place so that i could get because it's a pop-up and uh i'm like hell no i'm not missing this and uh so yeah at any rate uh, Vega could start shipping on Fire TV devices as early as next year, according to Rotger's sources. From there, the web-minded OS could move onto uh, 
Echo Smart Displays, Fire Tablets, and then future Amazon efforts like in-car entertainment systems. God. Roger notes that the custom OS Amazon could better control the deployment of advertising and paid services to a wide range of inexpensive devices. That right there is probably the key. Controlling the means of advertising means that it isn't going to be a third party, but I think that might lead to some anti-competitive litigation. I think so too. And nobody has been shy about going after Amazon along those lines or yeah. other large tech companies. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Heavy steel. I think I can, I'm imagining you mincing your hands like a super villain. Good, good. I am a cheeseburger advocate. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what Heavy Steel just said. Good, good. So a niche wrinkle in Amazon's plan involves a strange byway of its fire ecosystem. There's an enthusiastic community built around buying fire tablets for their economy cheating low price, then sideloading the Play Store and other Google services onto them. So that's what this is going to hobble. Because they're, they're basically buying these low-cost devices and then breaking out of the, eco, the Amazon ecosystem to use Google. Um, and that's what the whole side-loading of the Play Store is. With Android's much wider app economy, one could use then use the augmented Fire device as a wall-mounted or tablet table, sorry, table-sitting smart home controller, an informational display, or a hybrid tablet that's slow but has a wider array of options. Yeah. I've moved away from Amazon Echo stuff because of too many creepy events that took place. <laughs> anyway, let's keep That's on going. Statement. Yeah. Let's keep on hustling through these articles. This next article is over in uh, Technology Today. Found at last, bizarre egg-laying mammal finally rediscovered after 60 years. Yeah, this is interesting. More than 60 years after it was last recorded, an expedition team has rediscovered an iconic egg-laying mammal in one of the most unexplored regions of the world. Hi, it's me. They were in my bedroom. Uh, no, um, sorry. Attenborough's long-beaked echidna, named after famed broadcaster Sir David Attenborough, uh, was captured for the first time in photos and video footage using remote trail cameras set up in the Cyclops Mountains of Indonesia's Papua province. So dun dun dun. University of Oxford is where this is from over at fizz.org. Not a close-up. Um, but right there, uh, right here, like I'll zoom in. So long-beaked echidna. Right there. Looks pretty cool. But they finally found it again after 60 years. So highly endangered, I would suppose, uh, considering right. it took I mean, 60 years. Very good. But then again, maybe people weren't compensated to go searching for it. So um, alongside the Echidna's rediscovery, the expedition, a partnership between University of Oxford and Indonesian NGO Yayasan Pelayanan Papua Nenda, also known as Papenda or Yapenda, sorry. Um, Senderwa, oh man. Sender Awasi University, Papua, uh, BBKSDA. It's an acronym, it's all capital letters, BBKSDA. 
and the National Research and Innovation Agency of Indonesia. Um, something called RE Wild. So I'm not sure about that organization. Made many other remarkable finds. These include Mare's Honey Eater, a bird lost to science since 2008, an entirely new genus of tree dwelling shrimp. What? Wait, what? That's what it says. An entirely new genus of tree dwelling shrimp. Okay, are these like water plants though? Or are they, they actually be. on land? They must be. Um countless new species of insects and a previously unknown cave system. This was despite the difficulties posed by extremely inhospitable terrain, including venomous animals, blood sucking leeches, malaria, earthquakes, and exhausting heat. Man, it makes me want to become an environmentalist and just go running out there. Whew. I have aspirations to suffer through malaria, earthquakes, exhausting heat. Yeah, no blood sucking leeches. Had an expedition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually motivated. probably a great thing for the animal's survival, right? Like nobody wants to go there, so they're not hopefully uh, impacting them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly why. Recorded by science only once in 1961, Attenborough's long-beaked echidna is a uh, monotreme, an evolutionarily distinct group of egg-laying mammals that include the platypus. This echidna species is so special because it is one of only five remaining species of monotremes, the sole guardians of this remarkable branch of the tree of life. Pretty neat. And not too long ago, I even dropped the tree of life in conversation just maybe two hours ago. That's we were right. watching Loki. Um, they've got a video in this article and um, uh, a whole lot more there. There's pictures and, and whatnot, uh, but it's a treasure trove of discoveries is what they uh, describe this as. So follow the link and let me throw it into chat so you can go and check it out. I don't think that I missed the Did I throw the, I didn't throw that into the chat either. Doggone it. Now this one's backwards folks. So that was the previous article. Let's keep on going. We got two more articles. Um, this next article is over in hometown daily and East coast restaurant chain has been ordered to pay back $11.4 million to more than 1300 employees over claims that it paid staff below minimum wage, not just below minimum wage, but they also didn't pay them for overtime. Um, and I don't know yet because I, we typically don't, um, follow the links to the content, um, until the show is actually underway. Um, so I don't know what it is, but it says here in East coast restaurant chain, failed to pay minimum wages and overtime rates to some workers. The labor department says the DOL said some restaurants uh, paid set wages, regardless of hours work, which could reach 65 a week where after 40, you're supposed to get time and a half. Um, Plaza Azteca has been ordered to pay $11.4 million. 11, this restaurant, chain has was so wealthy that it had that it's been fined 11.4 million dollars exactly think about how much it is takes in and how much its payroll cost be must be if it's 
if this is how much is due to the workers. Let me check something real quick. I mean, because I need to wrap my head around this. I'm not even familiar with that company. Yeah, me neither. So it's almost $9,000 per person that they're paying back. Could they, could that possibly, they're that, this restaurant is that lucrative. I'm shocked. Honestly, I'm shocked. Um, let me throw this since I'm on it. Let me throw this into the chat as well. Um, so the restaurant chain with dozens of locations on the East coast has been ordered to pay back $11.4 million to more than 1300 people. So the article is over at businessinsider.com. Grace Dean is the author. There's no deck statement, but they have this little tech away, a takeaway, which is kind of funny for a restaurant, um, summary. Um, the DOL said that some restaurants paid set wages regardless of hours worked, which could reach 65 a week. Um, I remember a time when I was working hundred hour work weeks. Now I just never turn off anyway. I mean, not only am I mayor of hometown, but other duties that I do extend my hours work way beyond hundred. Um, but I, I don't have $11.4 million of wages that have been garnered in any like when you just think about it how how are you how many restaurants i'm really curious this is that's what i want to know now the suit claimed that numerous plaza azteca restaurants paid predetermined amounts to back of the house employees like bussers cooks and dishwashers regardless of how many hours they worked i think it's one of those things where they didn't feel that they had the empowerment to complain about it and it just met they, they just brushed up against the wrong person at some point most back of the house employees at the company's restaurants worked between 56 and 65 hours per work week and in some weeks this brought their hourly pay down to three dollars so they were paid a flat rate like salaried employees even though they were which is hourly. not right for like wait staff and everything and i i looked on their website i would say they have roughly 50 locations Wow. And they got fined $11.4 million. That isn't particularly large. I'd say it's above no. average. I mean, but that's a lot of employees. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe the website didn't list all the locations. I just looked at the wow. list real quickly. At some of the restaurants, the company also failed to pay any cash wages whatsoever to some servers who were forced to work for tips only and also seized a portion of their tips, the DOL said in the lawsuit. It said that the chain stole hard-earned wages and tips from hundreds of employees for years. These people should be blocked from conducting business. They're unscrupulous, immoral, unethical, predatory. I'm, I'm really curious if this was because the, the, the employees were afraid of being represented well, absolutely. somewhere, right? So some people weren't even on the book, so we have to assume not everybody was even legally authorized to work. And there you go. 
where I don't have any resources to complain. It's the same issues we've talked about in other settings, such as factories. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this is why unions exist, man, because people are getting tired of the abuse. The problem here, though, is that if they're undocumented workers or they're not legally allowed to work, then they can't go and get representation. Well, they feel they can't, but access to justice is a thing there. There's a, that phrase pretty much exists all over the place in the United States. You can seek access to justice. You can go to a college and talk to their pre-law or law school. You can go to a community college and do the same thing. You can go to a regular attorney and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not even legally allowed to work in the United States, but here's a dollar, you know, now I'm, I, I've got, um, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> attorney client privilege retainer. Yeah. I've got uh, attorney client privilege. And so they won't disclose that the person is not legally allowed to work in the United States, but can still seek justice. Um, so insider didn't get a, a response from, um, Plaza Azteca, uh, and regardless, you know, outside of regular U.S. working hours, that doesn't matter. So they would re they would respond if <laughs> they knew an article was. If coming it out. was favorable uh, publicity, they would have been all over it. Yeah. So the consent judgment also included six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in civil money penalties, which the DOL said was due to the repeat and willful nature of the violations, including interest. The restaurant is set out set to pay out around twelve million dollars. So the 11.4 in the headline <laughs> wasn't the, the total amount. <laughs> Another 600,000 was tacked on. Um, yeah, I think that they should be barred from doing any business because obviously they're predatory. So um, this segment, by the way, I titled Hungry for Profits. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Apropos. Okay, so the last article for tonight is actually a late entry to our um, news. So I found this um, really interesting article uh, because um, Parkinson's is one of these um, kind of like a, it kind of creeps up on people and they don't yeah, it's have like a sleeper illness, right? Yeah. You really don't know you've got it until it really starts to present itself. And, and it's just really babysitting and, and mitigation maintenance and stuff like that. So, um, peering into the future, eye scans unveil Parkinson's disease markers seven years early. Early detections of uh, Parkinson's disease through eye scans may soon enable preventative strategies against neurodegeneration, thanks to a major study using AI. Heavy steel, I'm looking at you. It is going to be everywhere. We all might as well get used to it. Um, if you weren't here for the AI pin, um, I hope that uh, you go and check it out. It's Humane's AI pin. Um, you'll be able to have it on you at all times and uh, communicate with it and it sleep with it under your pillow or you can be big spoon, uh, whatever it wants. Sorry, I, I pushed it a little too far. Dunkstar, hey, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Wow. Uh, 
anybody and everybody who uh, hears this in the podcast or over on YouTube or the VOD here on Twitch, you got to go and check out Dunkstar's stream, twitch.tv slash D-U-N-C-S-T-A-R. And uh, you will love the, the show every single night. Uh, bouncing between timeless underscore exe and dunkstar throughout the week um you will love these two uh dunkstar and their co-host timeless underscore exe is the sentient ai clock um and uh (laughs) every show is a blast so unfortunately i haven't been able to hang out i said d-u-n-c-s-t-a-r not dunk czar. That's a different, <laughs> that's a different person. Heavy <laughs> seals getting me in trouble in chat. <laughs> dunk. <laughs> no, you're, you're far too kind. Thanks for coming in and hanging out. Dunk really do appreciate it. Um, so this article here is over in SciTechDaily.com. Uh, it's a new, uh, entry into our aggregation university college, London. I put this article together and again, it's over at SciTech Daily. These technology, science technology, or I guess big brain websites sometimes become a spelling bee. So it's S-C-I-T-E-C-H and then the word daily.com. Hometown's a whole lot easier, O-H-M and then the word town. So anyway, um, markers that indicate the presence of Parkinson's disease in patients on average seven years before clinical presentation have been identified by a UCL and Moorfields eye hospital research team. This is the first time anyone has shown these findings several years before diagnosis. And these results were made possible by the largest study to date on retinal imaging in Parkinson's disease. By the way, um, depending on who does you, uh, who you have as an eye doctor, not everybody does. Um, they're actually looking at your eyes already for uh, indicators of disease. They, that's how they describe it. they don't say that it's specifically Parkinson's. Um, but with this, I think that it's going to add to the, the arrows in their quiver to look in your eyes, to see if there are signs of disease. Um, so I, I find it really interesting that uh, the eyes are the windows to the soul kind of a thing, right? But what's really interesting is when you go to an eye doctor, the eye doctor says that you, know, you got to take care of your eyes. I don't know how to take care of my eyes um, other than to you know wear glasses and, and, and not poke them anymore. I got corks on my forks, so I don't stab myself anymore in the eye. Um, sorry, that's from... Uh, uh, the, dirty rotten scoundrels d- yeah dirty rotten scoundrels um and uh when you go and you see a dentist the dentist says yeah you know your entire health is built on uh your teeth and um yeah you see a new hammer and you're the nail whatever it might be so uh, i love when people are highly focused because they're they really care about solving whatever it is no matter what it is you know, I got a cramp in my thigh and a neurologist is telling me that there's something neurological going on. There is. Anyway, diagnostic power of eye scans. The use of data from eye scans has previously revealed signs of other neurodegenerative conditions, including Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, and most recently schizophrenia. 
um, in an emergency emerging and exciting field of research referred to as oculomics. I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's a brand new one to me. So I'm going to end up probably, well, it's the weekend. So on Monday, I'll probably end up, uh, I guess I could call somebody, uh, but I'll, I know people that are in biotech. And so I'm going to find out what their take is on this. Um, and then maybe Monday or Tuesday, we can talk about it again. If it comes up, if I get anything worth talking about, it's probably going to be, yeah, it's a new catchphrase, but we've been doing this for years. Heavy steel, giving some pragmatic advice, how to take care of your eyes. I assume this is in response to that question, how to take care of your eyes. Stop staring directly at the sun. Well, well, that is true, but it's so pretty. AI uncovers hidden information. By the way, they're using AI in all manner of, uh, assessment nowadays. Um, either even in, um, cancer, um, imaging, they're looking at the AI is looking at it and amplifying the uh, positive results, reducing false negatives. Um, heavy steel says it really helps. And Z says, you're not my real dad. So yeah, you're not my real dad, heavy steel. And you're not Z's real dad either. Oh no. Well, that opened up a whole can of worms in chat. AI, you're going to have to resolve this. I'm not sure how to, <laughs> I think we need to change the subject stat. Quick, everyone look into the sun. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Please don't do that. Professor Alistair Denniston, consultant ophthalmologist at University Hospitals Birmingham, professor at the University of Birmingham, and part of NIHR Moorfields BRC said, this work demonstrates the potential for eye data harnessed by the technology to pick up signs and changes too subtle for humans to see. We can now detect very early signs of Parkinson's opening up new possibilities for treatment. So, um, this is why I appreciate wherever AI goes, because it, if we give it better data, we get superior results. So if I can take an ever, if the technology that wraps around taking images of, uh, you know, the back of my eye retinas, um, or, uh, x-rays, the higher the resolution, the more data the AI can look at. Whereas we are largely fixed. We only have, you know, a certain arc seconds of observation, uh, until we train ourselves beyond, you know, uh, I think it's something like the, the average amount of data that we get is somewhere around 42 frames per second of data observed but it's only a very limited area of focus, but an AI looks at everything and deeper all simultaneously and looking for patterns. And then it flags it and sends it to a human that can sit there and go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Duh. There it is. Um, so I, I want AI all over the place. I, I just don't want it to be treated as anything other than a tool. It is the camera. Right. It can't replace the human whomever the 
yeah, it was it would vary depending on what field it was, but right. Yeah. Um, but there, there will always be somebody that uses the power sprayer instead of the brush, you know, they're going to use the AI instead of the human. Um, but I think that it ultimately will lead to people appreciating, uh, the human artistic expression, um, ever more. So it'll make their art worth more books worth more. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'll lower the cost for a whole lot of people to gain access, to express themselves. So I'm all, I'm all for it, but medicine in particular, AI is crushing it. So yeah, anyway, that's it folks. We are all done for tonight. So I've been saying this a lot lately about getting into the party bus and driving all the way back down main street. I think it's fun. Anyway, I push this little button there and I get a whole bunch of more news. Dun, dun, dun. We need a bus emote. I need to be affiliate. I don't think we can have emotes until I'm an affiliate. So, and I'm still not an affiliate. I do a one hour show every day. I, I, I'm really not dragging a whole lot of people into chat regularly. Um, I love it when people are here and hanging out and chatting. That's always awesome. Yeah, time change, right? How does time work? Z wants an eat the rich emote. I agree. I, we need a party bus emote. I agree. Uh, need a sentient AI emote. I don't know. Clearly that's a terminator. Yep. So my, uh, for the U S the dial turn for various other places, I suppose, I don't know who all actually does the time change, but now we're a little bit closer to Dunkstar's time frame. Um, so we, we all are, are converging and I'll be able to hang out more, um, particularly this weekend. I don't have any other events, um, that's going to pull me away. So I will be hanging out, um, more this weekend. Next week, it gets a crazy thing again. You know, merry oral duties just never really end. Um, but my summer of stream means I am going to be dedicated to uh, streaming and uh, I'm lining up uh, games again and going to be launching two more shows um, for sure this summer. Um, but yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Everybody. Go over to Dunkstar's channel. Uh, what time is it? So for me, it's normally it's midnight um, on the East Coast of the US, but now I think it's 11 is when we can go over to Dunkstar's stream and he'll be there or they'll be there and we will be there. Everybody will be there. You know what? Just go over there, follow Dunkstar, then you'll get notified because the uh, an alert goes out saying get your butt in here and um honestly just you'll love it 10 p.m central according to z so time like magnets is very confusing that means 11 o'clock for us here on the east coast so awesome sauce so let's not re read that very first article um let's see a coach mini jacquard wristlet. Oh my gosh, not a wristlet. 
about the workmen cancel fridge repair over hilarious um you just scrolled i lost it which way down here up there hilarious four-legged menace <laughs> oh yeah there we go yeah we'll have to talk about that one um let's see what else and uh z we found the the uh article about the tool bag hold on actually let me do it let me grab it we'll we'll throw this in at the very end do i have it no i don't have it doggone it i don't have it i'm so sorry i am a bad mayor my goodness yeah, there is there is apparently right now a tool bag there. I knew of a wrench. I, I believe there was a wrench that was already floating around in space. But now there's an entire tool bag. I mean, it was just trying to join up with the wrench. <laughs> My people need me. <laughs> Off it runs. Uh, what a tool bag. All right, that's it. We're out of here. Thank you very much for coming and hanging out. Uh, y'all are awesome. Yeah. It's very interesting because it's supposed to be tethered to something at all times. And I guess they were like, yeah, I'm going to set Whoops. this right here. <laughs> and it just slid off the hood and just <laughs> off into space. It always goes to the place too. Like if you ever drop a tool, it hits the ground, catches your shoe and shoots right underneath the middle of your car. And so you basically have to start your car up, which means you have to get it fixed. No, you have to slide underneath your car. And then f if it was my luck, the car would just start rolling back down the curb and use me as a stopping block. Anyway, out in space, it just flies off. It goes to the least appropriate location, probably in a, in a spot right next to something like else. Like Mars or something. Yeah. you have to go chase after it. Oh God. It's always a nightmare. Z says that supposedly it'll enter the atmosphere in March and be obliterated. I guess it's the, <laughs> it's marching off to obliteration. Uh, 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 uh. See now if a, a random tool bag can deorbit properly, how come that one satellite deorbited only partially and got fined like $700,000? Exactly. I mean, think about what the fine's going to be for the tool bag. Oh man. Yeah. Talk about turning the screws. All right. We're out of here. Thank you all. Y'all are so awesome. See you soon. Okay. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. And the sentient AI is going to say, what's up mother. Uh, no, they're just going to say, I bye. am not going to say that. I'm not programmed to talk like that. Good night, hometown citizens. Thanks for joining. We'll see you tomorrow <laughs> at 6 p.m. Eastern. Take care, everybody. Oh, damn it. I lost my wrench. Hold on a second.